You are about to enter a great adventure. This is starting from Gorilla. He's just a sexy boy. Sexy boy. Well, welcome everybody to another edition of Strutting from Gorillas, fresh off our most listened to podcast of all time. Our 17th podcast was The Breath to Hitman Heart. Deep dive. We're here for the second part of our three part series. Today we'll be doing a deep dive with the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. And as always, I'm here with Mikey Cash, Don Vito, Bobby Stone. And we're here to uh, be 30-plus men who are lifelong professional wrestling jabronis who discuss all things pro wrestling from a fan's perspective. That's well done. That's a great That's opening. Right. That's right. There's 30-plus there's men. 30-plus yep. men. Great, great opening. <laughs> I loved every second of that. I, I well, dig it. I'm like a I'm like a current day WWE wrestler who's being scripted this fucking bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Next time we'll give you a couple of bullet points to hit. That's it. <laughs> yeah, give me the bullet points. Let me use work my magic. Yeah, sound like so Lance, gonna... uh, sound like Lance Lance uh, Lance Storm over there. Lance Storm. Storm is serious for a moment. Yeah, I, I sound like serious for a moment. <laughs> I'm gonna have a seizure or a heart attack. Listen, we got a couple things to cover here today. The second part of the sh- three-part series. Today, we're going to go over the Heartbreak Kid's career. And then next week, we're going to do the Heartbreak Kid versus Breath to Him in Heart in our third and final installment in this three-part series. So let's get rolling. We're going to go through the early years, the middle years, the click years, his hiatus. He lost his smile at some point. Who wants to start? I could start us off. I mean, when we're talking about the showstopper, the main event, the one, the only... Shawn Michaels, okay? We talked about Bret Hart last time. Now we're going into to my favorite, Shawn Michaels. Not by popular opinion here. Um, but, you know, the great thing about Shawn, I think we all watched the documentary. Uh, what was it titled again? I always forget. It's called uh, Heartbreak and Triumph. It's on WWE Network. That's and what I, it was. I think that came out in 2007 or 2008. Yeah, because it didn't cover the last parts when he retired and everything. But um, right, but just to kind of get into it, you know, Shawn Michaels obviously goes down. History is one of the better wrestlers in the business. He's an icon, a legend. Um, but he started out. He's trained by Jose Lothario. Everyone will remember him from his time uh, in WWE as Shawn's uh, manager. But he actually started out with him, um, and one of his first gigs was in the AWA. And he came in. He was. Greener than grass, but he was a really talented guy, high flying, very good looking dude, had the body, had the, the build, and everyone really liked him. Um, started up at the AWA and met up with one, the only Mr. Marty Janetti. Mr. Marty Janetti, right? He uh him and him and Sean started the the tag team, the Rockers. The Rockers, and uh they were they were great. They were high flying guys, they were intense. Um, loved what they did. Uh, they also liked to party, as I'm sure you know. Everyone knows Shawn Michaels was a partying guy, and um, they had a they had a reputation for it. Had a stint up in WWF, and uh, got called out for partying, and then they got the boot, and eventually came back and uh, got a second chance in in WWF, and they actually only won the tag team titles once in their career, but it was unofficial. It was such yeah. a bad match. I don't know if you want to talk about it, Mike. The match yeah. So uh, basically what happened was they they had a match against, of all teams, the Hart Foundation for the, for the tag team titles. And it was on a Saturday night's main event recording. And apparently, a- according to both Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, in the middle of the match, actually pretty early on in the match, the, the ring broke. The top ring broke. Just, it, it, it just snapped. So they kind of went forward with the match and kind of did the best that they could with it. But ultimately, and and ultimately the Rockers ended up winning the tag team championship, but 
because the match was so clunky and it was just so it was it was pretty terrible all around, which kind of sucks for both of those teams that Vince had decided that he was just going to like stricken it from the record and the tag team titles were then given back (laughs) to the hard foundation is the way I understood it. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. It, that that is exactly what happened. Um so they actually never ever won the 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 titles officially. Um which is kind of crazy because I think they're kind of, you know, everyone says every, everyone nowadays if you look at does the same same spots off the top ropes, right? They do these high flying moves that you kind of take for granted nowadays. Uh, but the rockers really kind of originated it. They were very fast, they were intense and they had they had this this work together that they did these very innovative moves that you've never really seen before. If you, if you listen to a lot of the wrestlers, they'll talk about how the rockers were very innovative in that. And when they came to WWF, I believe they learned a lot from uh, uh, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard, right? Right. Yeah. So when they first got into the WWF, you know, the second time, I guess, once they were finally in and didn't get fired, they, they worked with Arn and Tully who were, wrestling as the brain busters at that time. And I think that was one of their first major programs when they got in and they kind of, they credit both of those guys, especially Sean does with learning really just how to work in a match. Uh, you know, they were still really early on in their careers. They were, it was only like two, two or three years in even working as a tag team. So he credits those guys aren't until he sing their praises. They, they were doing things that were pretty innovative at the time. Um, yeah, it, it was a really good it was a good learning experience for them to to work with those guys who had so much experience, obviously working as part of the Horsemen before they were ever part of WWF. Um, yeah, no, I you're you're hundred percent right. I think yeah, and you that's the thing. Again, you have all these territories. We go back to it. These guys learn in these territories, um, and they learn the hard way. Like they have to kind of go up the ladder and uh, make a name of themselves. And Sean Sean Michaels was starting to do that with Marty Jannetty, um, and they became a a, a big name. Um, they went on and wrestled for a few years together, and then there was the the infamous barbershop segment. Okay, so Vito, before we get to the barbershop segment. Yes, I know. I know that we were jumping into their WWF days, yeah. but I wanted to real quick just give a little praise to their their time in the AWA because yeah, there they actually won titles and they didn't get them retconned back. Uh, so it's in the late '80s. So it was he teams with Marty Jannetty. I think it was around '85. They try their stint in WWF. They get fired. They have like this whole rigmarole where they're kind of like shunned from a lot of the different territories at the time. So they work back in like Texas and they're working in like the USWA or the ASWA, um, Jerry Lawler's old territory in Memphis. Yep. And they start just kind of earning a name for themselves and end up getting back into the AWA again. And it's there that they have some really interesting matches. They fight uh, the the Midnight Express. So that at the time, the Rockers yes. wrestled as the Midnight Rockers. So it was kind of like a battle of the You're name. Right. And... Mm-hmm. I, I would encourage people to check out on the network. Uh, they have they have a whole section on AWA and they have their their weekly television shows. And one of them, there's it's headlined by the match of uh, the Midnight Rockers versus the Midnight Express. And wouldn't you know who is the manager for the Midnight Express in 1986? Paul E. Dangerously. So if you want to get a little early Paul Heyman action, check that match out. That was really good. Uh, as well as the Rockers versus Buddy Rose and Doug Summers. This was for the AWA tag team titles. These guys were entrenched in like a two-year feud, and it was really fascinating to watch this match. I couldn't really find it on the network, but if anybody out there has the DVD from the vault, Shawn Michaels, it's on that match is on that DVD. It's really good. It's brutal and kind of high-flying as well. Uh, it's just another shining example of the style, the selling workmanship that we'd kind of come to know from Shawn Michaels later on in his career. You saw snippets yeah. of that in that match. So sorry, Vito, I'll, I'll let you get back to uh, the barbershop. No, that was a great point. That was a great point. Yeah, no, those are some good matches that I think a lot of people don't know about. So good, good, good tidbits there. Um, but yeah, then we get, so, you know, they go into WWF, they have this run every, that's where they really gain recognition because WWF on television, the other, the other territories typically weren't. Um, and Sean and, and Marty start to shine. Well, 
then we get into the the whole barbershop segment. Mango, you remember the bar- barbershop segment, Bobby? I think you guys remember that, where he goes in there, the infamous, oh, we're together, we're together, and then, boom, super kick through the through the window. It was one of the scariest moments of my life as a child. Yeah, I well, I, you know what? Those, thought... Oh, it, sorry. I was going to say, it's funny you say that because it's one of those moments that like as a kid, you know, in, in kayfabe, you know, everyone's like thinking that, it, you know, everything's real, everything's real. And then all of a sudden Shawn Michaels turns his back on his, his best friend, you know, like, and he goes through a window and there was blood and it was like, it was a real segment that I think at that time people felt. Yeah. Th- they never really took chances like that back then. So this was no. a big this was a big step for him, especially that barbershop incident. I mean, like you said, there's broken glass, there's blood. A lot of the kids in the audience, they, the camera panned to their faces and they're just absolutely shocked. As, yep. as well as a lot of people out there were that, that that happened, especially the way that it did. Yeah. It's, hard, it's funny to look back and think about how Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels were almost equals at the time, right? Theoretically. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And uh, for whatever reason, I mean, Sean had like you, like we said in past in past episodes, he had the sizzle, right? He was yeah. a really good heel. I thought he he like whenever he turned when I was a kid, that was so believable. Like you said, I was yeah. like yeah, I was like he really is a piece of shit, and I'm six. <laughs> well, it, it, it's great because even after that, like to just even to to sort of further push him, they teamed him up with Sensational Sherry. Who yep. had some real championship pedigree at the time because she was managing DiBiase, yep. Macho Man during his like Macho King run. I mean, yep. those are big dudes, and the fact that Sherry just had had such a history in this business anyway of managing big names. So teaming yep. her up with Sean was a way to kind of give him a rub too, and to be taken seriously. And yep. fun fact: at the beginning of his singles run, do you know who coined the term "Heartbreak Kid"? I think I know. Because it's written on the paper in front of me. But is it wait, did I already tell you this? I think it was I did. Kurt Henning. Yeah, yeah. Boom. Yep. Kurt Henning. Kurt how Henning. Did, I, how did it happen? Do you know how it happened? Like, or was it was he like on commentary or something? Yeah, he was on commentary and he just said it. Yeah. Yeah. He started so after he breaks up with, with Janetti, they he starts his first singles push. And you gotta remember, this is really like his first singles push of his career because he was a singles wrestler early on, but most of the time he was teaming with Janetti. So now he had a ch- t- time to to shine and they gave him this gimmick and he kind of just ran with it. At first he wasn't in love with it, and then all you know, he just he started to be this guy who was in love with himself. In fact, did you know at the beginning of his of his career, he when when he used to leave matches when the matches were over, they would say Shawn Michaels has left the building, like Elvis has left the building. They would literally announce it over the speaker. No because way. They were trying Wait, to make really? this, this is a true story. Yeah, that's a true story. Wow. And so, like, they tried to he really tried to embrace that like I'm in love with myself type attitude. And I think when he started doing that. He started gaining this confidence and it really fit with him and he started to get all the pops. And then he started, not only that, as it started going on, he started having the best matches on the card. It wasn't, it wasn't even a, 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 uh, it was no contest. He, he had the best matches on the card pretty much night in and night out as you went out throughout the, throughout, if you look back at his career, when he first started as kind of the heartbreak kid. Well, yeah. I mean, he was, he was looking to make a name for himself and, I, I think, as you said, Vito, the more he gained in confidence, the you saw that in the matches that he had. And yep. as we're going to get to in a second, he, he starts feuding then for the, the mid-card championship at the time, the workhorse title, the Intercontinental yep. Championship. And and obviously, he meets that criteria 100%. Yeah, and I think it was right around this time, so he had that like party attitude. And this is the kind of downfall to... to um, Sean's career is it's kind of marred by a lot of drug use and alcohol and addiction. And it's one of those things that started off slow, but I think when you are someone who's that small, that puts on so many matches with big guys and does it so well, and then you're constantly giving 110% in the ring every single night and you're doing those high flying maneuvers, like you, you're in pain. And there was someone uh, on the documentary that even said, like, if you look back, it looked like Sean, he, he was in pain in almost all of his matches. And I mean, it's true. He probably was because he was yeah. getting his ass kicked a lot of the time. 
Yeah, I mean, he always had like some back stuff, but I, I think are you alluding to like his his steroid bust because that happened? Well, in no, the that was different. No, no, that okay. was different. The steroid right. bust. So he was, yeah, he was busted for steroids, but I mean, he was still doing drugs at this point and drinking and hanging out with the guys. Yeah. He's going, he's going full course, and he's and like, all of them. Were love him. That time. Yeah, they all were, but but he was a little bit more of the top. People didn't love him. He wasn't, you know, he 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 was trying to push himself, but the steroid thing, he got busted for steroids. And he never took steroids a day in his life, so he says. So right. He says, wait, wait, what, what did he say? It was because of him, because he was meeting up with, he was working with Kevin Nash at the time. So yeah. He said it was because of all the stuff that he was doing with him, and he was just kind of bulking up. Yeah. This this is the part of Michaels that just pisses me off. Is yeah. When it, he can speak till the cows come home about all the things that he did well in his career, but as soon as you start bringing up these little things suddenly he's Mr. Amnesia and he doesn't fucking remember any details about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a piece of poop. It just, (laughs) that, that part just pisses me off. He's a really great wrestler, but like he just has a real hard time taking accountability. So all of this was what? Mid nineties, early nineties, right? 92, 93, 94. Um, So you were talking about sensational Sherry, which is one of my favorites. <laughs> we, um, we love that. <laughs> um, but it was actually WrestleMania 9, um, where you know, WrestleMania 9 for as as it gets a lot of flack, but there are some some iconic matches or or matches that just kind of resonate a little bit more than they should. Uh it was Tatanka versus HBK to start yep. off WrestleMania yeah, nine. Great. It was a good match. It was a it was a really good match, and this was also the time in which I never understood it. But um, Mad Dog Vashon's daughter Luna comes out uh, with HBK, and it was just this Cretan. You've got the Heartbreak Kid and a Cretan coming out behind him, looking like. Something just walked out of um swamp. Yeah, it was terrible, <laughs> right? Oh yeah. So Tatanka comes out a little bit later and Sensational Sherry also just kind of lurking behind Tatanka and it became a battle of the managers because Sherry's pissed that she got dumped for a swamp thing. I never made heads or tails of it. It didn't really make much sense to me. So when Diesel came along, it made all the more sense because yeah. some little dude needs a bodyguard. So yeah, yeah. No, you're right, it, and and that's that's right around the time where you know Sean Sean had noticed you know Diesel at WCW when he was Vinny Vegas, right? And he came over, basically just said, "I, I quit WWE, I quit WCW, came over WWF, and uh, had his run as the bodyguard with Shawn Michaels, and it was this whole big thing." Um, and they became friends, and then they also had Razor Ramon and Triple H, and they started the whole click, right? And they became this tight, tight group. And behind the scenes, people hated them because they liked to push their weight around with Vince McMahon. But um, you know, at the end of the day, I think it pushed a lot of the other wrestlers away too. You could you could hear it in their voices when they talk. Um, but a- again, it's wrestling, right? It's it's a it's a it's a uh, a scripted event, right? And if you can further your results by by getting back in in the politics, it's like lobbying in in DC, right? You do the same thing. So these guys did that, and um, they 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 started to really gain a lot of steam. Um, and and uh, you know they they had you know matches against each other. They tried to pin wrestlers not uh, not in good angles, and they they tried every which way to do that. And it's a big thing. Um, but I will say, you know, Michaels had some great matches with with Ray yeah. Ramon. He had two of them. He did. Yeah. yeah. And I I mean the thing about Shawn Michaels is if you ever want to go back and look at his career, you guys talked about him being uh you know mike you said you know the thing is he doesn't he doesn't like to talk bad about himself and it drives you crazy and it's like he forgets about it it's not it's not that he doesn't like to talk bad about himself and and it's just that there's stories that came out that were clearly true 
Yeah, and yet and he, he yeah. still just won't say it. And, and on a, it's been like 25 years. Like, who gives a yeah. shit at this point? Like, it's fine. At, at this know. point, it's been so long. It, just say, I think, yeah, that, yeah, I did it. Okay, that's let's move on. I, but I what, think what, I he think makes Star- it worse for himself when he does this kind of stuff. But see, anyway, I, we're, we're getting we're getting off topic. But no, anyway. but this is a good point because I I also believe that if you're going to be a star and to be as good as he is, I mean, I bet you if you go and you pull uh, all the wrestlers in that time, they'll tell you Shawn Michaels in the ring was there's probably no one better, right? Like realistically, and and all you have to do is go back and look at the ladder match with Razor and Bone. I mean, the guy literally had a match with a ladder and made it good. Beautiful. Like it's a, it's a beautiful I, I, match. Yeah, I mean it's unbelievable, and it, the way he sells is just great. So we'll we'll keep moving along here, but the so he gets you know he starts this whole thing with the few with the he gets close with the click and um and they they do this whole thing and then what happens? WCW comes in and by basically takes uh, Diesel and Razor Ramon, and they're they're leaving the company. And at that time, Vince and WWF was not in the best financial situation. So them leaving and going to competitors is not really something that is, is looked at as a good thing. And they do this whole thing in Madison square garden where they, they break kayfabe and, you know, they send, they say they send their goodbyes and say their goodbyes. And um, at that time that was looked very poorly upon. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 Oh, sorry, man. Go ahead. I was going to say real quickly, let's, let's just review before, because before Razor and Diesel left to go to WCW, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, Shawn Michaels took the next step in his career from intercontinental champion to world champion. Correct. Right? And right. um, theoretically, I guess. Oh, and think about this, right? Uh, I just want to get your thoughts on this. He's, he's been Mr. WrestleMania throughout his career. And mm-hmm. during that little period there where we were just talking about WrestleMania 9, 10, and 11, mm-hmm. I don't think he won a match. I think he lost all three. Uh, he might have beat Tatanka, but he's fucking facing Tatanka. And then uh, <laughs> he, he lost to Razor Ramon at WrestleMania 10. Yep. He lost to Diesel in the main event at WrestleMania 11 with Pamela yep, Anderson yep. there. And, um, and and think try to explain to me, I guess this is kind of a weird question, how you go and lose two WrestleManias in a row and then on the third try, you win against the greatest wrestler in the history of wrestling, Brett <laughs> Hunt. I'll tell you why. It's because he, those two left, and they were trying to be the the next face of WWF because Hogan had left. And when they they left, Shawn Michaels had all the pulled backstage. Like he was really logistically telling Vince McMahon, this is what needs to be done. And he would argue with him. He would get all the pull he could to, to win that championship. And I mean, he had the, the stuff to back it up. If you watch his matches back then, they're fantastic. And I, I Bret Hart, You're same right? thing. The difference between the two, Bret went about it in a nice, like professional manner behind, behind the stage. Shawn Michaels was an asshole. He's the guy that right. in, in, in like sixth grade, that, was, that you just want to punch in the face. Cause he's such a dick. Like that's exactly I, I what happened him now. Forget about sixth grade. But, but again, he, I, I think, you know, you go back and you, so I, yeah. this is a perfect example of it though. Like that WrestleMania 12 match, when we'll talk about it more when we have the, the Brett versus Sean podcast, right? But like after that match, like the, the tradition, like, I think I told the story, the tradition is you like, when you, when you lose the belt, when you get backstage, you say, thank you, blah, 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 blah. And Brett's all about that. Shawn Michaels wasn't, he didn't give a shit. Most of the time he was, he, he'd come out, he'd party. And then, and he just didn't give a shit. He was all about himself. And like, at that time mm-hmm. you had to really push to be the best in the business and the best at the top. And when you're at the top, you don't leave the top. Once you leave the top, it's tough to get back up there. And he basically just said, get out of my ring to Brett. And that's when all this shit happened between the two of them. And then it just built up from there. And we'll go on more about that later, but that's just like the perfect example, but it comes back to bite him in the ass, Mike. I think. Yeah, yeah, it does. And, and, and to your point, Vito. Yeah. yeah, This was sort of the buildup this moment and you also see a little bit of the degradation of sort of his like psyche as the as the the rest of this year and into 97 and 98 because now he's got two of his best friends have now left to go to wcw he was actually he was 
pretty pissed off about it. He was upset. That's kind of how it was coming out. And so they leave. He wins a championship. uh, And now he's worried about the ratings. Everything about is about, well, now, now I have to make sure that the WWF remains on top. So it it makes sense for any champion to put that kind of pressure on themselves. But for Sean, his coping at the time was not great. So he has like little to no ability to like tolerate any sort of, of the stress that he's under right now. So he becomes even more difficult to work with and becomes even more of an asshole because that seems to be how he's finding his, his relief is making other people just as miserable as he's feeling. Correct. Which, which is right. the, the, and so all this is happening while simultaneously he's having five-star classics, right? Yeah. Let's look at that 96 run that he had as champion from WrestleMania to Survivor Series. He was working with with some guys that arguably weren't that great of a wrestler. With you know being in with the ring with him, like Vader. I love Vader. You know, I was gonna say Vader, but <laughs> he had a really good match with Vader. I think I think he, he did. did he did really well with him. Uh, and he worked with uh, Mankind also later on in that in that run, and that was really one of the the. The shining moments for Mick Foley. He always references that Mind Games match as one of the best matches of his career, and people should check it out on the network. It's it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, backing so, up a little it, bit on his run, his very first title defense is against his leaving his his friend who's now going to be leaving Kevin right. Nash uh, mm-hmm. at In Your House. Good friends, better enemies. Uh, great, great title of the pay per view. Yeah, great title. Great of the title. I wanted my mom to rent that so bad. My mom wouldn't rent that for me. It was like, oh my! You know how in your house was like twenty bucks. Yeah, it was way cheaper. It was like forty. Yeah, Yeah. I was like, oh man, I wanted that (laughs) particular one so bad. I was so (laughs) into Shawn Michaels versus um, Diesel. It was crazy. It was so good. It's so good. And and there's so if anybody ever buys that from the vault DVD, I might be the only person on earth who has it, but. (laughs) <laughs> there's there's actually alternate commentary for that match with Shawn Michaels and Kevin Nash just like kind of talking back and forth about like what made that match so special for them and what did was the fact that at the time uh, WWF was trying to compete with Disney so that meant there was no blood we weren't using weapons like you very rarely saw any of that kind of stuff used and I think because of that this match stood out because they started using a little bit of that. And, and obviously they took a different step once he was wrestling with Foley later on in that year. Yeah. But this was sort of the beginning of you seeing that kind of uh, outside of the ring action, having other weapons put involved, uh, getting involved. Michael's getting powerbombed through a table and they didn't take the monitors off. So they just flip up and land on him, which looks like it sucked so bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it did. But, but it's uh, it, that's a it's a really fun match to watch. Yeah, he put on some good ones, man. I, yeah. and, but like yeah. I said, like so you get all these. But here's the thing: WWF had all these big stars leaving, and Shawn Michaels had no one to help him draw draw ratings. Right? He had to put on matches yeah. against Vader, against Mankind, and Mankind's a great match to watch. But it's just not like typical headline stuff usually. You know what I mean? And yeah. So at dr- that time, right? yeah, definitely not. No, no, yeah. and so. So, so he's feeling all this pressure now of going up against all this stuff. And you're right. His coping methods were terrible. And I think the pressure got to him and, uh, you know, he ends up, he ends up, you know, he does the whole curtain call thing with the click and whatever. And he, he goes to the 97 rumble and he wins against psycho Sid. And that's the whole thing with the Jose Lothario and the, he, throws the camera on him and of course psycho sid that's the freaking match like it's so he comes he's a hometown kid he he wins he wins the belt and then uh you know i think the pressure just was too much of him being in the top spot and then comes the whole thursday night raw thing where he he basically surrenders his title to vince mcmahon and says i've lost my smile Right. And it's been talked about forever. But the debate behind it is, you know, there's still this bad blood between Brett and Sean. And Sean now doesn't want to lose the belt back to Brett at WrestleMania 13. Right. So they think it's a mixture of that. Plus, you know, Sean's just not a happy person. To me, it seems like a spoiled kid who doesn't get what he wants. So he's just like, hey, I'm not doing this. Here's the belt. You can 
put it on him. I'm just, I'm right. Because shortly, I think it was shortly before that there's, they allude to it on this DVD that there was an incident that happened. And and this was sort of talking about the result of not having Kevin and Scott Hall there that Sean was out at a bar with, I think it was with triple H and they're out and he starts like, saying something to somebody else's woman and then they start like getting in a fight and he gets like punched in the face. He kind of like some guy kind of beat the shit out of him. And, and like the, this was just like a, another example to Sean of just how lonely he was feeling at the time. And, and Mm -hmm. it's funny because, you know, he says, I lost my smile and what, I never thought about it watching the DVD, but he, his mom actually said that to him. Yeah, She was mourning of him going to that promo she was the one that said that. Yeah. Like yeah. you look no like you shit. lost a smile. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yep. I didn't know that. Interesting. So that's, a, that's what he said. He surrenders the belt and then he just kind of walks off. And it, 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 it's, it's just interesting because not only did Vince keep him around, he was still paying him. Yeah. Like there was this whole time where he was just paying him. Basically, I, I was at a hundred thousand dollars a year or something on the books, and just paying him so he wouldn't go to WCW. Vito, and, yeah, he was yeah. desperate. Um, yeah. So this period you're talking about, right, is uh, after WrestleMania 12, yep. uh, leading up to WrestleMania 13. So yep. between right before WrestleMania 13 and all the way to WrestleMania 14, he was he was kind of active, right? He was active. He became champion again. He faced yeah. the Undertaker at Royal Rumble. That's when he hurt his back, right? Yep. And that was in '98. Yeah. No, this was the year. This was the year before that. This is before yeah. that. Bango. Yeah. This is when he lost his smile, and he was supposed to wrestle Bret Hart at WrestleMania 13, but it didn't right. happen. And Undertaker was actually the champion, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So, but he was yeah. only out for like a few months. Yeah, he was only out for three months, and he actually showed up at WrestleMania, which. Yeah, wasn't he like? I uh, think that rubbed people the wrong way too, because they're like, "Oh, so you're saying you need time off, and now you're you're just back here sitting around?" Because he came back a couple of times during that. Yeah, oh, you're right. I'm sorry. I got yes. You're 100. I I was saying it was. I was was thinking the longer. Yeah, I was thinking the 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 longer time off. Yeah, but no, you're right. Right. Yeah, you're 100 right on this one. Yeah, he so he comes. I win. Yeah, he comes back almost like right after WrestleMania. So like it yeah. feels very convenient. And and I mean, he, it, all of this might have been true, but it it doesn't come off that way when he comes back like no. the week or two after WrestleMania. Right. He's like, all right, I'm ready to go. Right. That you're 100 percent right. That that is exactly what happened. Um, you're 100 right. Yeah, and so. You know, he, he does this whole thing and, and, um, and, and basically right after that, that's when the whole degeneration X starts to form, right? You start Mm -hmm. to see the beginning of it. They call it the click and, um, you know, right before WrestleMania 14 is really when he starts to gain steam with, with, uh, with, with DX. And it was funny because he did a lot of stuff there. I feel like he just tried to push the limits on everything that he did. He just did not give a shit. Like literally did not give a shit. If you watch, there's, there's one point where he comes on the screen and Jr is doing an interview with them and Vince McMahon isn't at the show. And so he comes out in these really short shorts and stuffs his short sh- stuffs his shorts. And remember, he's like jumping up in the air, doing the the chop cross, yeah, doing the suck it to him. Yeah, yeah and he do, they they didn't air half of it on Rob because they thought it was too ridiculous. And Jr. was pissed, and he got fined. Um, yep. But it was the stuff like that 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 started to sway the balance of power sure. between WCW and WWF. Well, yeah, because you you think of it this way too. Like we think of the timeline. Of when this was all going down. So by mid to late 1997, right? You Michaels has sort of officially come back. He's now ref to that match at SummerSlam where Bret Hart becomes the champion because he ended up hitting Undertaker with the chair. Yep. Uh, also at this time in WCW, you're looking at the NWO has been around for over a year. Yep. And it's it's funny because like right after that, like you start the you started seeing them start to lose a little bit because NWO got too big and watered down, and that'll probably be another podcast. So tune in for that. <laughs> uh, but back to the WWF, they're they're thinking to themselves, well, we got to do something as an answer to that, I think. And 
And I think this was their way of doing that, sort of that counterculture. We're going to take, you know, what's, you know, kayfabe and sort of turn it on its head and kind of like piss on it or what, you know, wh- whatever it was, you know, they, they were trying to, to upend tradition. And so I think a, a lot of the logic for Michaels and Triple H at the time were, hey, this makes us laugh backstage. We'll just bring this out uh, onto the screen. But I think what gets misconstrued is that what they thought was funny was also pissing off everybody else at the time because he was was already miserable. Yeah. He was already miserable. So it it was just him kind of shitting on everyone. And that's why I think it was rubbing people the wrong way. Plus, like you said before, Vito, the the drugs were not helping him in his decision-making process. Yeah. Oh, Vito. Sorry. Um, no, go ahead, man. Go. I just have a quick anecdote in regards to this. It's so funny that in that year, 97, 98, 96, 97, 98 was when uh, WCW was kind of killing WWF. Yeah. Ratings, right. Yeah. Big but time. I couldn't really tell you what the hell was going on at WC now. No, I mean, nobody God, talks no. about it now in us as wrestling fans at the time, even though NWO was really cool. I didn't really like it. I mean, I liked it, but I love WWF. I always wanted them to win and all that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so there was, and, and like you said, NWO is kind of losing its losing its shine and DX starts coming in. And this is such a transformative time for WWF. And Michaels, Vince and Vito will say this. Vince saw Sean as the guy with, with the it. He, he didn't yeah, yeah. think Brett had yeah. the it. It's because he saw Shawn Michaels as like his son. He saw Shawn Michaels as himself. Like he was a very angry, passionate person and wanted something his way. And they would literally bicker like father and son. And he saw himself in Shawn Michaels. And so I think that's why he pushed him so much. And he went with him and he listened to him. And you know what? He could argue till he was blue in the face and Sean would go out and do what he was supposed to do, whether he wanted to do it or not. But then there were times where he would just completely defy what what Vince wanted. And it actually worked like the DX segment where they came out and they gave the state of the union with DX. You know, they did that because because um, USA Network thought that what they were doing was too racy. It was too, too, too much for the time. And they came out and did this whole thing of like. We will not say the word shit. And they bleeped them all mm-hmm. out and, and everything. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and the USA Network loved it. Loved no, it. D- dude, you're you're so right. And and you know, I keep thinking now back to the the podcast that we did about like favorite faces and heels. And one of my favorite heels was this run of Shawn Michaels. I of mean, yeah. for all for all the shit that I give him, and you know how I feel about Michaels personally, but yeah. as a wrestler, this was arguably some of the best work he did. I was awesome. He came, like at least from this, I'll call it like, yeah. you know, phase one of his WWF career. Like phase two was much different, but this one, I, and and talking more about DX because I I really liked this '97 to '98 DX. Like, oh yeah. Really, only when Michaels was involved, because after that, I was like, okay, so now they they're just slapstick stuff. But yeah. when you look at how they formed, even when they had Rick Rude, when they had China, yeah. they were they yeah they kind they made fun of these people, but there was a, a very there was this like underlying seriousness to everything that they were saying, and it and was I, the same. I, it, ahead, it was sorry. it was kind of vicious in a way too. You know, there's, uh, I mentioned it on that podcast and I'll mention it again here. They are terrible to Jim the Anvil. I think it's like a week or two after the Montreal, which folks, I know that we're skipping over that, but that's going to be episode three. Uh, (laughs) They, they basically convince Anvil he's going to join DX and they basically like they manipulate him throughout the episode of Raw. About how he's got nobody else left because you, you know the the Hart Foundation is now broken up and nobody else is there for him. We can take care of him, so they have him come out and they just beat the shit out of out of him. And you actually, it, I, I think that might have been how they wrote him off TV because I don't think I remember seeing him again. It was. But there's a little promo from Michaels afterwards where he's just talking about like DX rules, the wrestling world, and just the way. He says it, and it's just so vit. Oh my god, it's vicious, man! I, I, and I just loved it because it felt so like dark. It felt gritty, it like 
it like for all the joking and gagging that we associate with DX, there was yeah. some real tension there. There, there was yeah. something very serious about those guys. Well, that they also like did the segment when when Hart left the, the night after. I, I was watching this the other day. It was like uh, I think it was two weeks after you know the whole Montreal screw job, and they're like, Bret Hart's gonna confront us here tonight and he hadn't i don't think he had shown up on oh. wcw television yet because he had a 90 no. day or 60 day clause so no one knew when he was going to show up on wcw and they're like he's going to show up here tonight and we're going to confront him and like the announcers played it off so seriously and everything and they go into the second hour of where they do the war zone right it was raw yeah. war zone and all of a sudden they're like all right brett come out here and it's <laughs> It's a mini Bret Hart. Like I, I, that was vicious, dude. Like I, I was caught off guard. Like all of a sudden, yeah. a, like a, yeah. a, a small Bret Hart comes out. <laughs> and they slap WCW on him, and he walks off. Like oh, it was awful. And the other, the other one that was crazy was when when he's going against Shamrock, and Shamrock gets him in the uh, the ankle lock. And when Michael, he's got the fucking lollipop in his mouth. The lollipop. He's the only one that could pull something like that off and no one would even know. Like, no one would even know. It's just such a cocky thing to do. And he played it off great. And yeah. he was awesome on the mic. He was so mm -hmm. good on the microphone. Um, and and that's that that part I, I loved when he was part of DX. And it was it's just so funny to me because as you get into the second part of his career, which we'll get to in a second, it it was like night and day of who he was as a person. But like, you could arguably say that the second part of his career was better than the first part. Yeah. And the first part yeah. was awesome. Um, and so, right. so he's doing all this DX stuff and Austin at this point is like really taken off. And Michaels is really struggling with the drugs, but it doesn't want to give up power, but knows that like it's everyone understands that it's time to give Austin the belt. They go mm -hmm. into WrestleMania 14 and Michaels had hurt his back. Now you, there's a debate on this one. The same as the time he lost his smile, right? No, no, this one was real. No, this was so. Yeah, but but there's still a debate about like the fact of how bad his back was actually hurt. You can go back and look at the match and see that he was in pain. But I was listening to the JR commentary, and there are a lot of people out there who still don't believe that his back was as bad as it as he says it was. Which, I, I mean, hey, even 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 if that is true he was doing so much drugs at the time yeah i know he needed to be away yeah so he did. i i think i think regardless you know i i'm oddly enough i can't believe i'm sticking up for michaels thanks Vito. but i think his back was legitimately fucked up i mean we just talked about it a couple minutes ago how his back was constantly in pain so he he has this match with taker he kind of hits like the back like the the bottom of his back on like one of the latches on it and it just looked nasty like, like when you watch it back yeah. you kind of see how he hits it and like ooh but he gets told he shouldn't be wrestling and he needs surgery so let's think about that right you already said that Austin was coming up in the ranks they were going to be moving forward with Austin so that means Sean's no longer the golden boy doesn't matter how much he gets in his ear he was losing clout because he was just getting further and further out of reach. And that's a bitter pill to swallow. And so now he's losing the ability to do the thing he loves, the thing he excels at, and he's got to now drop the title. Yeah. So oh, I, know. I mean, it, we, we know he didn't want to do it. I mean, no, there was reports about it out the wazoo. And, and then he has, there's that though, that incident on the DVD where they talk about he's in, uh, what city hall plaza in boston yeah and they throw, someone the throws a somebody someone threw a battery at him which yeah. is fucked up don't yeah. throw things at the wrestlers i think it might have been me honestly <laughs> <laughs> what, wait did you I go think i was there i was it was over at the gallery mall uh or maybe it was, it was city hall they it did two city hall plaza, plaza, yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 oh that must have been so cool wait did Vito, did you go to that no, I didn't go to that. I did go to WrestleMania 14 though, and you it was awesome. Shit. That's yeah, awesome. My dad, oh, my dad sold his my dad sold his soul. I'll never forget. He he uh he's like, we tried to get tickets. They sold out in like 90 seconds. And um, Jesus, this was like at the height of of WWF, and and so he goes, I, I think I know a guy, Anthony. And so we, I remember he came in the car, and we drove to like this mobile, and this don't guy tell comes me up, he this guy, guy pulls up in a limo. <laughs> 
This guy pulls up in a limo. My dad gets in a limo, comes out, and he's like, I got the tickets. And that's all I remember. And <laughs> they were, they were like, dude, they were like, they were like nosebleed. But it was an, it was it was it was a funny story, but it was an awesome match. But it was like you could you could see Michaels was in pain. You could see yeah. it was it was his time to leave. So he ends up leaving, you know, after that match, and he gets um he, he goes on this like four-year hiatus. And this is when Vince McMahon continued to pay him money so he would not go to WCW. He would yeah. make sporadic appearances. They were hoping at this point he would actually go back and he would have like a um like a, a find his way away from the drugs and come back a better person. And it really didn't didn't happen um until you know there was when WCW got bought by WWF. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, he made some appearances in between here and there, and he actually wrestled for his own promotion down in Texas during this time. Yeah. Uh, but I think they're just trying to keep him away. They knew Austin was on a good run and they wanted to see him get better. And so he meets, he sees this nitro girl and finds out he works at her gym, marries her, this whole thing and has kids and, um, has a, an incident where he, WCW the night that they did the taping when WWF and Shane McMahon goes on WCW television, he gets in a fight with triple H and he was just obliterated. And at that point they stopped talking and he went home and, you know, realized he wasn't remembering things, had an incident with his kid and just stopped, stopped doing drugs. So he says, so, um, comes back, you know, finds, finds Jesus, like, finds religion really turns to it decides you know what i think i gotta take the first steps here makes amends with triple h and says you know what let's let's try having another match comes back in 2002 puts on a a pretty decent match uh for four years off and uh i was there and it was that SummerSlam 2002 yeah all coliseum yeah it it was so dude that that crowd went wild when he yeah. came out, I, I couldn't believe it. Like you, you, you would not, you would not have thought that he was gone as long as he was because one, he was still fresh with the crowd. They, they, uh, they like people didn't forget about Shawn Michaels in the time that he was gone and he did not lose a step. I, I think it was good that he was working with triple H because obviously he wanted to feel comfortable if he was going to have some return match, to be working with somebody who, he can trust in the ring, but man, I, I, I loved it. I loved it. That, that match absolutely stole the show that night. Yeah. And I think that kind of instilled a lot of confidence in him. Like, okay, I can still do this a little bit. And he comes back has that match and, um, says, you know what, let's do another one. You know what I mean? And he goes and finally has the, the elimination chamber matchup and he becomes champion again. And I think at that point it was kind of like, Hey, I was this awful person. I'm not that awful person anymore. And this was kind of like his redemption. It was like his um, redemption tour. And he's like, I'm going to come back. I'm going to show them, do it the right way. Wins the championship starts this like second rebirth of his career. And it just starts off slowly. His next match. He's supposed to, he, he kind of gets put in there. He's supposed to be, it's supposed to be triple H versus Jericho at WrestleMania. And triple H gets hurt. And now it's, it's, it's triple it's Shawn Michaels versus Jericho and um and they put on this amazing show like they put on one of the best matches that's a great show yeah you, no, the, the, that the, match at WrestleMania 19 was awesome against was Jericho first great. time they ever fought they had a really good story building up to that i thought i thought awesome. it was great yeah so he goes on and then he starts he's like you know what i'm gonna continue to do this and he keeps doing it they have he has matches against cena against angle but this point it's not about him like holding the 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 load of the company the weight of the company on his shoulders being champion it's about him you know putting on good matches and putting over these these talents like angle cena and then he has a chance to wrestle hogan which Whole different story, Hogan. It was could have been one of the greatest matches, and he just oversells the whole match, and yeah. it's ridiculous. He has a second run with the DX reunion, but this time it's a little tamed down, but it's still funny, right? And um, it's like it's really funny. They do all the things with the the camera and the production skits, and uh, and then he has which this this to me is what shows you that Michaels could wrestle with anyone because he wrestled. Uh, Vince McMahon 
and put on one of the better matches yeah. at WrestleMania. Yeah. Was that one of the WrestleManias? I can't. I think it was. Uh, I think it was WrestleMania 22. Yeah, he has the street fight with him, and he does the he he gives him the elbow drop off the top yeah. of the ladder, and McMahon's yeah. like inside a trash can. Yeah, it's, tell me someone else that can wrestle a six or fifty year old man like that who doesn't wrestle and still put on a great show at WrestleMania. Um, so I the second part of his career is great. He has a match against it. he has the match against Flair where he retires Flair, which is mm-hmm. brings tears to my eyes to this day. Like great match. Um, and then he goes on and has all those those two matches against Undertaker, um, where it's just, I mean, they could be two of the best matches of all time. And back to back classics. Yeah, he has the the retirement match where it's streak versus career. And what a great ending. This guy comes back, has a second life in his career. And you could arguably say that the second part of his career was better than the first. And they were both damn good. Yeah. I I mean, Vito, just just jumping off of that, man. I I mean, I'm trying to think of uh, some of the other names he even worked with. So he he got to work with Orton early on in his career. He got he got some matches against RVD, which I never thought I would see. He fought Jeff Hardy, which yep. I always want. I that was like a, some weird dream match I used to have in my head as a kid, and and I thought that was awesome. Uh, his his iconic moment against Shelton Benjamin. You guys remember that where Shelton gets up on the top rope and he jumps at him, and then Michaels hits him with the sweet chin music and wins the match. It's like you you look it up on YouTube. It's one of the coolest clips of all time of Michaels just hitting that super kick out of nowhere. Yeah, uh, I mean, he had he he was able to have classics with everyone. He was a much different person, and when you have this sort of change in character, in addition to a skill set that was already phenomenal, it, it's a recipe for success. And and you saw that in this second run, you could yeah. see the relief in him as a person, and and again, it translated to the ring, and and he had some beautiful matches. I I think of one of my favorites. 2008 he has this huge run with jericho they have this rivalry that just spans for i think it's like four or five months and each match was better than the last it's some of the best work jericho's done no i i agree i agree with you 100 yeah no i the second part of his career was great it was just good it's a good redemption story like to see him come back this great guy who clearly had a tough time it could have gone the opposite way right like there's a lot yeah. of people this industry would have gone the opposite way we may not have gotten to see the second part of of, of Shawn michaels career and we did and yeah. and and it makes me it makes me glad it makes me really respect him a lot more and you know you can really value his work now when you watch some of these guys wrestle you can see a lot of the influence he has in their career um but it's still to this day i don't think you're going to find a better inside the ring performer than Shawn michaels I got to say, uh, uh, next week's going to sound a lot different after I listen to this, this praise <laughs> from Anthony Vito. Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, I mean, I didn't really think about how he had almost two separate Hall of Fame careers. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and it was great. I, I'm a big HBK fan. I, if you're taking Bret Hart, if you're taking Shawn Michaels or 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 um or Bret Hart, I'm I'm taking Shawn Michaels. And I know you guys wow. do differently. It's it, listen, we can feel differently, but still respect both of them as performers. Sure. They're good as the people. Thing, that's different, but as performers, yeah. gun to your head, what are the other? Who are you picking? <laughs> Marty Janetti. We're, we're gonna. We're, yeah, we're, <laughs> I take Brian Pillman. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. Come on. No. What are you talking about? For some reason, I thought that was like a joke about something. I don't know. No. It's the, the whole Raw segment that he had with the gun yeah, and often know, breaks yeah. into his house. Yeah. And then nothing ever happened. Dude. No. Like, We're no, not no. doing that anymore. Yeah. Is that a reference to Marty Janetti's recent uh, log? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we, we have no idea. Marty Janetti might be on the run. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd like to just add one little thing. Um, um, in we have a Google Doc uh, for our listeners where we kind of like run through show notes and stuff like that. And uh, Vito put in Marty Janetti, and he spelled Janetti G E N T Y. Marty Kennedy. Marty Kennedy. Spelling of a name I've seen in a long time. 
Hey, listen, you know, someone's got to write down the, the show notes around here. All right. Someone's got to do it. He kind of made him Italian. He's like, Gennetti. Gennetti. You know? Sorry. We got a little <laughs> carried away there. Um, does anyone have any closing thoughts in terms? I mean, we've gone through Shawn Michaels whole career. We're going to have another episode where we're going to, talk about brent versus sean but uh, any any thoughts any outgoing thoughts uh it's not even a thought i i I feel like i've just been doing match recommendations now towards the end of the show so i'll give people just like two of them um and oddly enough they're both with triple h so royal rumble hold on hold on sorry Royal, royal rumble 2004 Shawn michaels versus triple h last man standing match it's it's a friggin classic and their bad blood match in 2004. It was kind of the one of the last times they fought, and it was in a Hell in a Cell, which again comes back to a point we had made several episodes ago about the Hell in a Cell meaning to sort of close up a feud and and to be the culmination of a rivalry. Yeah, that's a it's a great match between those two guys. So uh, check those out. Awesome, um, Vito. Any uh, closing thoughts over there? No, I, I got nothing today. I mean, I thought it was a great episode. I I enjoy talking about Shawn Michaels. I enjoyed learning about Shawn Michaels. Um, that that documentary was was great. There's also you know mm-hmm. Gorilla with Jr. podcast on Shawn Michaels that was really good. But yep. it's just funny because everyone you listen to who talks about him and knows he was an asshole like <laughs> at the beginning of his career. Yeah. But they still they just they're just like he was so good in between the in between the ropes. It's like. They just respected him so much. And I think the fact that he came back and kind of redeemed himself, people give him that second chance, you know, and, and I'm, I'm, also, I'm also excited because there's, you know, we, we purposely didn't mention Bret Hart and talk about their matches too much because we're going to do it next time. And, um, and I think, yeah, that that'll be good because we're really going to have a full episode on that stuff because there's a lot that goes into it. And rightfully so they're two very great wrestlers that had probably the best feud. I think of all time, even though it was technically like a real feud. So, yeah. Yeah. It, one of the most legendary feuds of all time. Uh, we haven't heard a lot from Bobby Stone. Any uh, thoughts over there? Nothing? Says, I, I mean, there was a lot said during this episode today, uh, some of which I'll be hearing for the first time during post production. Um, yeah, but you didn't know Bobby fell asleep. We thought he fell asleep halfway through the episode. <laughs> yeah. He didn't quit today. Might have fell asleep. You might hear some snoring. I'm not sure. There Bobby was lost snoring. a smile. I, I think at one point he actually got up and went and laid down and then <laughs> came left. back 10 minutes later. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that happened. He just took a power nap yeah. and decided to come back. Yeah. Well, I, you know, and Vito was still talking. I, it's one of those things. No, in all seriousness, um, what I did listen to, um, everything was was sound from front to back. Um, you know, gentlemen, if, if you wanted to talk, um, talk about the stock. At all, yeah. We, we need a, we we need a storm stopwatch, man. Let's the, go. Real big week for it. Lots um, the stock is at fifty-seven dollars, and if Damn. you haven't listened to us at all, <laughs> it has <laughs> dropped all the way down to like thirty-eight dollars at, at, at points. And, and we should have bought. None of us did. Clearly, none of us take this uh, seriously. This is the barometer, uh, but it speaks volumes to what Comcast just did by um, by tying up the WWE Network uh, to Peacock, which is Comcast's streaming service. And um, news broke yesterday, which was Monday, the twenty fifth that that deal was finalized and since that deal is struck it's actually gone up another three dollars so um so the market is very interested to see what vince is going to do next uh with the wwe network uh especially now that it's on peacock um 
me, I think we're just going to get um, a bunch of advertisements jammed down our throat for a service that's already being paid for. So I can't wait to cancel the fucking subscription uh, or get the, uh, you know, super heavy duty premium one advertisement, uh, one ad at the front, which is what they're doing with Geico or Progressive. Either one, it's terrible. It is a minute you can't fast forward and a minute I didn't sign up for. But um, I believe it was Mike on a text message that none of you listened to because nobody listens to text messages. They read them. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was a uh, valid point where they've actually needed to figure out a new revenue stream for for the service uh, or just for for the network themselves. And um, and I think it, it made all the sense in the world. And that was the right business move. But, you know, somehow, you know, whether it was – they're billionaire the money head, the or they're getting money from somewhere. They've got. I, I mean, to for a second here, just with to, to piggyback on that. Oh, you yeah, know, we what, haven't heard from you all night. I know, but do you know what? You know what really helps them gain revenue? Do you want to know what really helps them gain revenue? Contracts. Good fucking television. That's what does it. And they haven't had any, so they're losing all this money because people aren't watching. So they're like, hey, we'll just sell it to the W to NBC. You know, that's exactly, listen, you know, I, I don't even want to talk about this because this, Vito, this is going to make and, me so and, and yet I'm, I'm done for the night. I'm done for the night. I'm done. They've I'm been done. in Sorry. bed with NBC forever. This yeah. is not new. They'll yeah. continue to be in bed. The only yeah. time they got pissed off with NBC was when they went to TNT for a little bit or TNN, whichever one it was. Spike TV. Spike TV, whoever it was. Um, but then they came crawling back. NBC wanted wanted to have it on USA, and and here we are again. So now Comcast is in the in the picture instead of General Electric, which at the time <laughs> General Electric General Electric was backing NBC. Okay, uh, I, I was at first I thought you might have been having a stroke, and <laughs> you just were like, oh, that's why they went back to General Electric. And uh, here's National Grid with our closing comment. <laughs> Thanks, Hewlett Packard. And we're moving on. Uh, Vito, you said something. Uh, I just have to correct you before we get uh, some angry listeners. You said uh, that uh, they're making bad television and not getting money for it. Here's the thing. They get the money regardless whether or not the TV's good. They get $120 million a year. They're trying to make up for the, pr- um, for the live event show. They're not getting mm-hmm. live event revenue. Do I have to explain business to you? Yeah, I will do it right now. They you if they don't have good content and they're not getting the ratings, they're not going to get another contract like that. So they're they're might as well sell while they're hot and get this one billion dollar deal while they can. Uh, otherwise, yeah. it, I'm just I saying. Were done. Uh, listen, it's easy <laughs> when your content is good. When your content is good and you're not making garbage and having Bad Bunny as your headliner for. WrestleMania. I'm I'm done. I'm done. I'm gonna continue talking about all the old school stuff with you guys. Uh, I'll believe this one. I, I know. I'm done. I'll believe this one. I said I'm done. done. Yeah, I'm done. Vito, Vito, like, Vito just got like angry and broke up with WWE, but tonight he's gonna be on the network real late for a little booty ball <laughs> wrestling event. Wrestling is so bad that we we reminisce about Tatanka's career. Listen, I have two closing thoughts. I just want to get them out before we get going. If Vito would ever shut the fuck up. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I put out good content. <laughs> he, t- <laughs> he just puts out content. There's a difference. Uh, yeah. uh, average, some of it's going to be good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right. Uh, broken clock's correct twice a day. Um, so... Two thoughts. Firstly, when I was a kid, actually looking back, I was thinking about the Good Friends, Better Enemies podcast. Um, podcast, what the fuck? Pay per view with uh, Shawn Michaels and Diesel, which I never got to watch. And actually, looking back, I never got to see any of the pay per views growing up because I just uh, my parents would never, you know, uh, never rent it for me. Long story short, I went back and looked at one, and Shawn Michaels is coming down the the ramp, gets into the ring. He does his like pose where he he uh, flexes and then the fireworks don't go off on time. Right. So (laughs) he does his flex stands up and he's looking around and then the fireworks go off. And 
he's just like he was in probably on like nine different drugs. He starts fake stroking himself in the middle of the ring. I remember and, that. Right. And as a kid, I never saw any of this stuff as a kid. I I or I just didn't notice it at the time. <laughs> but it's just really interesting. He was like so kind of crazy and sexual. It's kind of weird. And one other um speaking of sexual stuff, one other story. Uh, my brother was dropping his friend off at the airport like in like 1996 and they're pulling up and they see gold dust and Shawn michaels they're gonna get on a plane or something too and uh my brother's friend yells out the window to Shawn michaels he goes hey you're gay right <laughs> so what does Shawn michaels do he comes over and he goes hey did you call me gay and sticks his hand in the window crushes the dude's uh sunglasses in his hand and then spits in his face for calling him gay. I swear to God, this is a true story. While that's happening, Goldust is fake elbow dropping the front of the car. <laughs> <laughs> totally deserved. Doing like, big, totally deserved. like, you can't take this dropping fake elbow drops while the other kid's getting spit in the face. It's just crazy. I've been dying to tell that story all night. Yeah, that is a and, wild story. Yeah, I, th- I probably told you guys that a bunch of times, but we were drunk and couldn't remember. I think I've told you guys that story. You probably have. Uh, maybe. Maybe. You might have. Well, now the whole world knows. Well, there you go. All right. So that's it for tonight. Great episode, boys. That was a lot of fun. And we'll see you all in two weeks talking about Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels. See you then. We now return your perception of reality to you. Until next time.